Well, welcome to Big Valley Grace. Welcome to all of you watching online and those of you that are over in the venue. Glad you're with us. Thank you, Zane and Brandon, for stepping in. Uh, Pastor Jared Lee, his father passed away, and he flew back to uh, Georgia. And so thanks for stepping in over there and filling in and all of that. And um, happy Mother's Day to all of you. It's one of, the, one, of the, one of the good moments that we celebrate here in this country. There's a, a lot of dumb things we celebrate. I was uh, Googled last night some of the things that we actually celebrate. And I don't know if it's because of Hallmark or whatever, but I, I'm not really sure setting aside a, a day to celebrate, you know, um, the day dental floss was created is really, really worthy of gifts. Uh, and things, but certainly celebrating moms, and that's really great. Uh, you know, all of these families are up here. Whenever we do uh, child, you know, parent dedication, there's this unbelievable moment. It is just really, really powerful. And that is when the spiritual leaders, the, the parenting team, they, they reach in front of these dads and moms, and they hand them the Bible, that it's, it's the Bible that these parents need to grab a hold of. It's the words of, of, you know, written between these two leather bound covers that they need to grab a hold of to learn and teach those to their children. And I just love that moment. How many of you got your Bibles in here over in the venue? Let me see. Hold them up. Hold them up. Even your smartphones. Yeah, I see it. Okay. And that better be your Bible on there, not your email account, okay? Um, well, before I get into our message today, um, our uh, REACH department has done something really cool. We're, we're partnering with Wycliffe Bible Translators, and they're actually here out under the, the cross out there, and they'll be out uh, here also. And We've put together, uh, they're, they're kind of like trading cards, uh, you know, baseball cards, football cards, and, and uh, there are five unreached people groups, and we're all going to get the same five. And together, as a family of believers, we are going to pray for these five unreached people groups. And so we want you to go pick up one of these packs. You can put them in your Bible. You can put them at the place where you pray maybe throughout the day. Uh, you could sit down with your children or your grandchildren and you could uh, pull one of these out and you could talk to them about this particular group of people. And each card gives you a little information about who they are, what their major religion is, but the one thing they all have in common is you've got a place here that has 60 million people in it and literally no Christian influence. And in some cases, there's not even, uh, for, forget the, the Bible itself, they don't even have one book of the Bible translated into their, their language. And so we not only need to care about the lost in our own city, those that we work with, whatever that might be, but we also need to be thinking about the lost that are all over the globe. And most of these places you won't even be able to find on your map, it'll take you some time. But you all need to be praying. And how I specifically want you to pray is that maybe your son, maybe your daughter, maybe your grandson or your granddaughter, maybe you might be 
somebody that God would work in their life and they might be the one who would say, hey church, would you train me? I want to go. I want to be the vessel that God would use to bring the gospel to one of these unreached people groups. You see, it's one thing to pray, we need to pray. It's another thing to say, God, maybe it's you, maybe it's your son, maybe it's your daughter. It could be that God should tarry his coming, one of these babies that was up here would grow up and in 20 or so years, maybe they'll be the one that will go to one of these unreached people groups. And for the very first time, somebody would bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. So make sure that when we're done, you go out to under the, the, uh, the cross out here. I think we even have them over on this section as you leave and let's all be praying for these folks. Well, we're in a series here at Big Valley Grace where we're getting to know God in a, in a deeper way. And we don't want Hollywood to uh, tell us what God is like. They're always coming up with movies and TV shows and things like that that portray God in a particular way. We don't care what uh, you know, your Uncle Joe thinks about God or even what your parents think about God or what your grandparents think about God. We're not interested in what we feel about God. What matters is, is what does God's word say about God? God wants us to know him. And all throughout these pages, he reveals himself to us. And so far, we've looked at the fact that God is good. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at the, the truth, capital T, that God is all-knowing. Last week, we looked at the truth that God is all-powerful. And today, we're going to look at the theological truth or the fact that God is unchanging. This is what theologians call the immutability of God. God said this through the great prophet Malachi. He said, I am the Lord and I do not change. God is telling us something about himself right here. God is telling us, I do not change. James said this, whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in heaven. He never changes. Once again, the Holy Spirit has filled James. The Holy Spirit has told James what to write. God wants us all to know that he never changes. Hebrews chapter 11 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God doesn't change. God doesn't mutate from one God today to another God tomorrow to another God next week or next month. He's immutable. He doesn't change. He doesn't mutate which is good news, because whatever God says about himself, you, you can trust, you can take it to the bank, it remains the same forever. And by the way, this is the basis for our hope, the fact that God can't change. Think about it. If God could change, then how could you know for sure what the Bible said is accurate? 
I almost did this attribute first because I think it might be the most important attribute that we can all kind of wrestle with and, and, and have tucked away in our hearts and our minds, the idea that God doesn't change. The Bible says that God is love, right? Well, if God can change, maybe that's not true today. Maybe uh, you went to bed last night and God was love, and when you were sleeping, he changed. And he's no longer love anymore. The Bible says that God is merciful and gracious. And when you went to bed last night, that was, that was true. But you know what? God mutated while you were sleeping. And he's no longer merciful and gracious. You just haven't figured it out yet, maybe. The Bible says that God lives within people. I talked about this last weekend. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. But if God can change, and maybe that's not true anymore. Maybe while you were sleeping, God said, ah, I'm not going to fill, it, you know, indwell humans. I, I, I'm going to indwell uh, horses. You see, it's important for us to understand that God is immutable. When you go to bed at night, you can wake up in the morning knowing that God doesn't change. Whatever he says about himself, you can take to the bank. Jesus said this in John chapter 14. He said, don't, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. There are many rooms in my father's house. I would not tell you this if it were not true. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. After I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you may be where I am. Beloved, if God can change, maybe that's not true today. Maybe last night while you were sleeping, God thought to himself, you know what? I'm not going to come back and take my bride to be with me. Changed my mind. Proverbs chapter three says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he'll show you which path to take. Beloved, if God could change, there's no way you could put your trust in him because you wouldn't know what you were trusting in. There'd be no reason for me to say, hey, everybody hold up your Bibles. Let's look at the Word of God. There'd be no reason to hand those Bibles to those moms and dads. Because if God could change, what difference would it make? As I said, the, the truth or the fact that God never changes, he's immutable, might be the most important truth for all of us to understand. Now let me come at this from a, a, a different angle, okay? If something changes, it either gets better or it gets worse. The other day I was in Rayleigh's and there was a particular cracker that I really like. So I went to the cracker section to get my crackers. And when I got to the place where my crackers were, there was this big seal advertisement on it that said, New and improved. 
What the company was telling me was, hey, Rick, these have changed. The old ones were no good. These are better. We've improved on the cracker that you like. I was thinking about how phones have changed. First you had, you know, the, the crank phones. Okay, then you had rotary phones. Then you had push button phones. Then we had cordless phones. Then we had the first generation cell phones. Then we had second generation cell phones. And, and now we have smartphones. Remember that? Remember when cell phones came out? The first ones were about as big as this, you know, yeah. Hello? I mean, yeah, you had to carry that thing around with you. And, you know, you had to bench press about 500 pounds, you know, to open up the thing. It was just unbelievable. Now, they're just these little dinky things. Most people would say that cell phones or phones in general have changed for the better. 1985, Coke decided to make a change. <laughs> they changed the recipe. Some of you remember that. Well, it didn't go over very well. People just went ballistic over that change. They didn't like the change. And so Coke had to go back to the old cruddy recipe. You know, the, the new and improved recipe wasn't, wasn't good anymore. Now, Psalms 18 says this, God's way is perfect. Jesus said this in Matthew 5, you must be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Beloved, because God is absolutely perfect, there's no need for him to change. There's nothing that he needs to change about himself. He can't get any better. There's never gonna be a new and improved, you know, Bible. He's perfect. He's absolutely perfect. Phones will keep changing because they're not perfect. Crackers will keep changing. I don't know, they're not perfect. Cars, they'll change. They're not perfect. But God never changes because he's absolutely perfect. Now, let me get real practical, okay? That, that's, the, that's the big nugget of the message. If you don't get anything else out of today, you walk out of here with the truth that God is immutable. He doesn't mutate from one God to another God to another God. He's unchanging. The scriptures are crystal clear on that. But I do want to get practical, because God never changes, there are some things that will never change, and I wanna share with you three of them. And because these three things will never change, they'll give your life great stability, or at least they should give your life great stability. Number one, because God never changes, God's word never changes. Which means you can build your life on them. Because God doesn't change, his word to us will never change. Which means you can build your life on him. Because God doesn't change, his word doesn't change, 
we, the spiritual leaders of the church, the, the parenting team, the elders and the pastors, we can hand the word of God off to all these young families. And in essence say, you can build your life on this. You, you can build your family on this. You can build your business on this. Because it doesn't change. Isaiah chapter 40 says, the grass dies and the flowers fall, but the word of our God lives forever. Psalms 33 says, the counsel of the Lord stands forever. Psalms 119 says, I have known from my earliest days that your law, the word, will last forever. The words of scripture are God's words and because God doesn't change, they don't change so you can build your life on them just like your father could build his life on them. Your grandfather could build his life on them. Now some of you are first generation Christians like myself. I've built my life on this. My daughter and son-in-law are sitting right back here. Guess what? She can build her life on this. My children can build their life on this. My grandchildren can build their life on this. My great-grandchildren can build their life on this. My great-great-grandchildren can build their life on this. Because it doesn't change, you see? Remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7? He said, everyone who hears these words of mine and they obey them is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The, you know, rained hard, the floods came and the winds blew it and hit that house, but it did not fall because it had been built on the unchanging word of God. Beloved, Jesus wouldn't have said that if God could change. Because how could you build your life on his word if somewhere down the road he decided to change his mind? Imagine if you were playing in a baseball game and it's the bottom of the ninth inning and you're winning, your team's winning. Three outs to go, you win the game. You're up. You're ahead. Other teams now batting, bottom of the ninth. And your pitcher strikes out the first two guys. You're one out away from winning the game. And all of a sudden, the umpire says, timeout. He gathers everybody together and he says, hey, listen, here's what I'm going to do. I'm now going to give them five outs. You now have chaos. There's really not even a sport, it's not even a game anymore because you just have because the rules have changed right in the middle of the game. There's no stability anymore. A game without rules is just simply chaotic and the same thing is true about life. God has established some rules. God has laid down some laws, some commandments, you see? 
And if he could change his mind and change the rules in the middle of the game, then all you have is chaos. And one of the great truths that we all live by or need to understand as believers is, is that God doesn't change. He's not gonna change the rules of the game in the ninth inning. So you can build your life on them. The Bible says this in 2 Timothy chapter three, all scripture, the word of God, is inspired by God, it's God breathed. The scriptures are, are useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it, God uses the word of God to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Here's the deal, beloved. If God could change, this passage would be pointless. Absolutely pointless. It wouldn't be useful for anything, but because God doesn't change, his word doesn't change, which means you can build your life on it. And let me expose one of Satan's great tricks, okay? A lot of you know exactly what the first thing Satan said to Eve was. Some of you don't, so let me show it to you. The Bible says in Genesis chapter three, on that day the snake said to the woman, did God really say that you must not eat fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Adam and Eve obviously didn't have this, but God had spoken clearly to Adam and said, Adam, as far as the eye can see here in this garden, it's all yours, enjoy it all. But Adam, I want you to stay away from that tree right there. That was before Eve was created. Obviously, there was a moment when Adam shared that with Eve. Or maybe God said it to Eve directly. But they had the law, don't eat from that tree. And now the enemy shows up and says, really Eve? D did God really say that? Really? This is one of Satan's great strategies. He's, he's getting Eve to question what God said. And Satan still does that today, a lot. But he adds a new twist to the strategy. He now has people saying this. That's your interpretation, right? He just, just added a little twist to the thing. Really, did God really say that? Well, yeah, it says right here. Well, that's your interpretation. I hear that all the time. And the reason Satan had to go to this strategy or morph to this strategy was because much of God's word is just crystal clear on, on so many issues. So instead of saying, did God really say you can't have sex outside of marriage? That's black and white in the scriptures. Satan simply has people thinking, well, that's your interpretation, pastor. Instead of saying, did God really say that Jesus is the only way to heaven? It's pretty black and white in scripture. Satan simply has people thinking, well, 
That's your interpretation. God's a God of love. Beloved, when you drive down the road, I want you to think about this, and you see a stop sign, how many ways is there to interpret that? I wonder, you know, if you're driving down the road and you see a stop sign and, you know, your wife says, hey, you need to stop, honey. I wonder how many guys lean over and go, well, that's your interpretation. <laughs> I mean, it says stop. It's clear. There's no debate. It's crystal clear. It's a red sign. And yet what's amazing to me is how many Christians even, God's word is crystal clear on something. Crystal clear. And Satan's still doing what he did back in the garden. Did God, you know, really say that? And now he's just added a little twist. Well, that's your interpretation of it. Beloved, there are some absolutes in life. There are some things that will always be right and there are some things that will always be wrong because God doesn't change, his word doesn't change, which means every generation can build their life on this. Every generation. Look, you're gonna build your life on, on something, right? So why not build it on something that's stable and, and permanent, something that doesn't change? I see so many people that build their lives on a current fad or a current therapy or a current thing or whatever's vogue, and it just breaks my heart because I know that those things are gonna change. But God's word never changes, never. Psalms 18 says, as for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is flawless. Now, as I've shared with you before, that doesn't say that God's way is easy. There's a lot um, that God calls us to as his followers that is difficult. The way of Christ is difficult. There's a lot of things that God says in his word that the unchanging God says that are very difficult. But they're perfect. They're flawless. Because they come from a God who's all-powerful and all-knowing and who's good and who's great. All the things we've looked at so far. You know, one of, the, one of the things that's really hard for me at times is God says, Rick, I want you to pray for your enemies. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I just wish he said, man, go and gouge your enemies' eyes out with pencils. Yeah, I, I could fulfill that one in a heartbeat, man. I, I'd just have a whole pack of pencils in my car at any given moment, you know, ready to go. Ready? But God says, no, that's not the way of Christ. That's not, that's not what a follower of mine does. You pray for your enemies. After all, Rick, I hung on a cross for you when you were my enemy. The least you can do 
is pray for your enemies. Here's the deal. The wisest man that ever lived said this in Ecclesiastes chapter seven, accept the way God does things for who can straighten what he has made crooked. Beloved, because God can't change, you might as well accept what he said and live by it because he's not gonna change. You don't have to like what God has said. but you might as well accept it because he's not gonna change. And by the way, God doesn't care whether you like what he said. He doesn't lose sleep over the fact that you don't like something. He doesn't look down from heaven and go, oh, hey, man, Rick, you know, he doesn't like that passage. Oh, man, I better change. Solomon's right. Just accept what God has said, because you're not gonna straighten what he's made crooked. You're not gonna do it. Now I wanna get a little bit more specific here. Number two, because God never changes, God's love for you never changes. Yes, you can build your life on the word of God because the word of God doesn't change because God doesn't change, but a little bit more specifically, God's love for you never changes, which means this. Listen to me, Christian. Because God's love for you never changes, you never have to be afraid of him. Never have to be afraid. Never. I don't care what you did last night, Christian. I don't care what it was. When you went to bed last night, God loved you. And when you got up this morning, he loved you. Regardless of what you did. You may have gone out and just done something really stupid and sinful, he still loves you. You, you, you may have gone out last night and witnessed and brought you know, a bunch of people to Christ last night. He didn't love you anymore because you did that. He just loves you. And it's that love that he has for us that's the motivating factor for us to come here and worship and give and pray and dedicate our children to Christ and, and dedicate ourselves to live for Christ and, and all the things that we do. It's his amazing love for us. Jeremiah 31 and says, and from far away the Lord appeared to his people and said, I love you people with a love that will last forever. Lamentations chapter three says, I have hope when I think of this. The Lord's love never ends. That'll give you hope. His mercies never stop. They're new every morning. This is something you can build your life on, isn't it? It's also something that I have to remind myself all the time of, that God loves me, that I'm actually an object of God's love. And so are you, Christian, and that'll never change. And the reason why I have to remind myself of this truth is because I've had people in my life over the years that have told me that they loved me. And there came a moment when they changed. They mutated. 
and they don't love me anymore. When I was in high school, her name was Sandy. <laughs> I loved her. She loved me. Had the names of our children all picked out. As much as two 16 or 17 year olds could know about love, we, we, we loved, we loved. And then we graduated and she drove down to Fresno to go to college and didn't love me anymore. I cried like a baby for a week, man. Not kidding. Ever had someone you loved maybe when you were in high school, college, and they stopped loving you? For some of you, you actually put on a, you know, a penguin suit and, you know, or a white dress and you walk down an aisle and you actually said those two words, three little letters, I do, D-O. You made a vow to them. They made a vow to you. They did it in front of witnesses, human witnesses, and more importantly, they made the vow in front of God Almighty. And you loved each other. And there came a moment, though, your spouse stopped loving you. Could have been a parent. A lot of people have parents who stop loving their children. And so what we can do as humans is we think, well, well God's like that. Yeah, Rick, he, he, he loved me yesterday, but I don't think he loves me today. I, I did something crazy. I did something sin. No, 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 no. God doesn't change. He's immutable. It's impossible for him to change. So when you went to bed last night, he loved you. And when you got up this morning, he loved you, regardless of what you did, whether it was good, holy, and righteous, or whether it was evil, wicked, and sinful. And it's his amazing love for us, that agape love that he has for us, that's what motivates us to repent of our sin when we do something stupid, sinful, and evil, right? that he would love us that much. And what motivates us to do those good, holy, and righteous things is just his amazing love for us. God loves me, it's unbelievable. He just loves me. And so I wanna live a righteous life. And when I blow it and we all do this side of glory, it's, it's the motivating factor as to why we repent of our sin and say, oh God, I'm sorry for saying that or doing that or whatever. Romans chapter five says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. I just, it doesn't compute sometimes in my brain. I got some people out there I don't like. And to think that God 
so loved me that even though I didn't believe in him and I was an enemy of, of his and I used his name in vain, he still said, Rick, I love you. And he sent his son for me. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 12. He said, whoever is not with me is against me. Whoever does not work with me is working against me. God so loved me that even though I was against him, I was working against him. Now, I, I wouldn't have said that. I never woke up and said, well, I'm against God today. I'm gonna do all that I can to make sure, you know, the plans of God's or, you know, plan of God is thwarted. I never thought that, but the Bible's crystal clear. I was against him. I was working against him. And the Father sends his holy son for me. Because he loved me. kind of makes some sense when you hear these words then from Paul in Romans chapter 8. He's talking to believers. He said, I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor light nor angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or on the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Nothing. Look, when you go to bed tonight, Christian, you don't have to worry about getting up in the morning and finding out that God somehow changed his mind. And that that verse really isn't true anymore. There really is something that you can do that makes him not love you anymore. That Paul didn't know what he was doing. That the Holy Spirit filled him and oh, you blew that one because I've changed my mind, God says. No, God doesn't change. And you can take that passage to the bank. Because God never changes, God and his word never changed, which means you can build your life on them because God never changes. God's love for you never changes, which means you don't need to be afraid of him. And last but not least, number three, because God never changes, God's plan to save you never changes, which means this, which means you can know that you're saved. And God wants you to know that you're saved. And because God never changes, his plan to save you doesn't change. So you can know, Christian. You can know that you're saved. John chapter 14, Jesus said this. He said, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. No one can come to the Father. No one's ever gonna get to glory. No one's ever gonna be in heaven with the Father. No one's ever gonna get there except through me, Jesus said. 
Forgiveness always begins with Jesus. For the past 2,000 years, there's only been one way to have a relationship with God, and that's through Jesus Christ. God's word is crystal clear on this. Jesus didn't say, I'm one of many ways to get to the Father. Jesus said, I'm it. I'm the way you get to the Father. Now, I think that there are lots of ways people get to Christ, get to Jesus. Some of you came to Christ at an early age. You were young, and your mom or your grandma led you to Christ. Some of you went to church, and in your fourth grade Sunday school class, a Sunday school teacher led you to Christ. Some of you went to a high school camp, and at camp, you heard the speaker, and you gave your life to Christ. For some of you, it was you were older in age, and a buddy, maybe on the golf course or wherever it was, told you about Christ, and you gave your life to him. Some of you might have been in prison, and while you were in prison, God got your attention, and you gave your life to, to Christ. Some of you gave your life to Christ last week. Lots of ways I think people get to Christ, but there's only one way you get to the Father, and that's through Christ, you see? The plan to save you from your sins hasn't changed. The Bible says this in Exodus chapter 34, the Lord forgives people for evil, for sin, and for turning against him, but he doesn't forget to punish guilty people. And the question you gotta ask yourself is this, who are the guilty people that God is going to punish? Because the last thing you want is to be punished by God, right? Well, the Bible says this in Romans chapter three, for everybody has sinned, we've all fallen short of God's glory of glorious standard. You go back to Genesis 3, Adam, Eve disobey God, they bring sin into the world, and every single person from every generation since that moment has all been tainted with sin. It's a disease that we all have. And there isn't anything we can do to fix the problem of sin because of what Adam and Eve did in the garden. We're all doomed. We're all dead men, dead women walking. All of us will be punished because of our sin. Proverbs 20 asks a great question. Who can say, I've kept my heart pure, I'm clean and without sin? And the answer is nobody. We've all sinned. It's one of the things we all have in common in here is every single one of us have done things we know that are wrong. We've said things that we know were wrong. Our conscience has let us know that. Our conscience is this beautiful gift from God that reminds us that we are sinful. That the punishment of God hangs over all of our heads because of sin. Isaiah chapter 59 says, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor is ear too dull to hear, but your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. This is the bad news. 
Your sin has messed up everything between you and God. The, the penalty of God, the punishment of God is just looming over all of us. But there's good news. Jesus said, for God so loved the world, so loved you, that he gave his one and only son, his perfect and holy and righteous son, so that everyone who believes in him wouldn't perish. And you perish when the punishment of God is unleashed upon your life because of your sin. But you would have eternal life with him. John put it this way, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son, Jesus. He who has the son has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. Look, because God doesn't change, how you're saved doesn't change. And it's pretty simple. You either have the Son in your life. And if you have the Son, the Son cleanses you of your sin. No longer is the punishment of God upon your life. If you don't have the son, then you don't have the life. Why? Because you still are under the punishment of God because of your sin. See? You see, God's plan to save you is simply based on a relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. And by the way, this is what makes Christianity different than every other religion in the world. Other religions are based on, on you doing good things to earn God's love and God's acceptance and God's forgiveness. But the Christian life is not based on doing, it's based on what's already been done. You can't do anything to cleanse yourself from sin. There's no shot. There's no ointment you rub on yourself. There's only one thing, and that is Jesus Christ, a relationship with him. And that was all accomplished on a cross 2,000 years ago. They took Jesus' body off of the cross, and they put him into a tomb, and three days later, he rose again. And that makes sense, doesn't it? Because the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Jesus had no sin, so death wasn't going to be able to hold him because he had no sin. The reason you die and I die is because of sin, you see. He had no sin, so death could not hold him. And he offers life to anybody that would put their trust in him. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Because God doesn't change. How we are saved from our sin doesn't change, which means this. You can know that you're saved. In fact, John said this in 1 John chapter 5, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. God wants his children to know. He wants you to be able to go to bed tonight knowing your sins have been forgiven, therefore you've been saved. And he wants you to be able to get up in the morning and know 
that your sins have been forgiven, you're going to heaven because you have surrendered your life over to Christ. You've repented of your sin and you've given your life to Jesus Christ, you see? Psalms 33 says, but the Lord's plans will stand forever. His ideas will last from now on. You're never going to get up and, you know, hear that there's some new thing dangled way, a new and improved way to have your sins forgiven. You're never going to, you're never going to get that. From Genesis chapter three on, it was all about the Messiah. Jesus is coming. The Messiah is coming. The Savior's coming. And they were saved by putting their hope and their trust in the fact that the Messiah was coming. You get to the New Testament, and it's all about the fact that the Messiah has come. Jesus has come. The Savior has come. And we are simply saved because we put our hope and trust in the Messiah. It's never going to change because God doesn't change. And if you've put your trust in the Messiah, Jesus, the Savior, you can know that you've been saved. And it's all because of the immutability of God, the fact that he does not change. Over in the venue, everybody stand, everybody stand up in here, okay? And I just, just want you to close your eyes for, for just a second, okay? Everybody just close their eyes. On your way out, don't forget to pick up those cards. A lot of people don't know Christ. We need to be praying. Beloved, because God never changes, his word never changes, which means you can build your life on his word. Because God never changes, his love for you never changes, which means you don't ever have to be afraid of God, Christian. Because God never changes, his plan to save you never changes, which means you can know without a shadow of a doubt you're saved. Father, thank you, Lord, for today and man how fun is it to come and just joyful to fellowship and and sing songs to you and about you thank you for all the moms and dads that were here last night and today next hour dedicating their lives their kids to you to raise them to your glory thankful god for your word and thankful god that you do not change and because you don't change, all of us who name your name, we can carry our Bibles around and we can read them and build our lives upon them because you don't change. May they give us a lot of peace, comfort, joy. As this truth rattles around in our minds this week, Lord. And I pray these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and all of God's people said, amen. Hey, Lord bless you. Go get your cards. Go get them.